Well, for a lot of parents, there comes a time in their kids' lives where they have to talk to them a little bit differently. You know, for some kids, uh, you, you find that they're self-motivated. They, they have the ability to catch a dream, catch a vision for what they can be, and then they just kind of go for it, right? They just, they just let it fly. But sometimes your kids aren't quite that motivated. Maybe most kids aren't quite that motivated. And you, and you start to get to the point where you have to have that conversation. Some of you have experienced this conversation as the kid. Some of you have had this conversation with your kids. Some of you are uh, approaching this conversation as your kids get older where they might require a little bit of a nudge, a little bit of a push, maybe a shove out of the nest to some extent uh, where you're like, hey, hey, it's time to get serious. Right? Hey, who, what are you going to be? Who, who are you going to be? And, and maybe it's as you approach the college years. Maybe it's as they're wrapping up their college years. Uh, maybe even as a younger child, if they're if they're kind of reaching a fork in the road when it comes to a childhood hobby or an activity and it's time to decide what is this going to be, right? Where you say, hey, we're, we're not going to invest in this thing. We're not going to put the same amount of time or money in, into this whole thing if this is just for you to have fun, right? I'm, I'm glad it's been fun for you, but now you're reaching that age where the amount of investment on, on the part of our family, on the part of our finances, like if this is just something for you to enjoy yourself. There are ways to enjoy yourself and not spend quite as much money and not spend quite as much time in the car, right? Or uh, I'm not going to be the one that continues to remind you to practice. I'm not going to keep reminding you to get ready. I'm not going to keep reminding you and forcing you to make progress in this thing that you're a part of. It's on you now, right? Some of you have had that conversation where basically, hey, if this is serious for you, then get serious. This isn't a mom and dad thing anymore. This isn't a, hey, this is fun for us all to take, take a video of you doing this and send it to grandma and grandpa, and this is going to be silly, and all this. Now, if, if this is serious for you, then get serious. And sometimes that's an intense conversation, right? You, now it's getting real, and so let's have a little bit of a grown-up talk that we haven't had before. But sometimes, sometimes it's subtle, right? It's, it's vision casting. Hey, these are the gifts that I see in you. This is the potential I see in you. I think this could be a real calling on your life. Hey, I don't know if you realize it, but you're really good at X, Y, Z. And so I think that you should lean your life in that direction because you've had fun with A, B, and C, but this is really where your gifts lie. So I think this is something that you should pursue and take seriously. And this is, like I said, this is not an uncommon conversation to, to happen between a parent and a child. And, and maybe some of you need to initiate that conversation with your child at some point. And, and as I said, it's not a, a strange thing uh, for families and for parents to experience. Uh, you probably won't be surprised to hear that there's a thing called failure to launch, right? Not, not a new concept, but there's this uh, article that I found in Scientific American, uh, a, a journal I like to read uh, weekly. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> Thank you, Google. Uh, but they, just to kind of give you some background uh, from the article, it says failure to launch is the growing phenomenon of young adults who are not making the transition to adulthood. This, is, this article is from 2019. This is kind of something that goes back 10, 15, maybe 20 years as, a, as us millennials have grown up and kind of done things a little bit differently. But it says, In most Western countries, young adults are expected to leave the nest. And while they may need a finite amount of time to launch themselves, ultimately the goal for everyone involved is to see the young adult fly on their own. But when young adults stay at home and don't search for a job and don't contribute financially and begin to withdraw from the world, we have the foundation of failure to launch. Add in 
unrealistic goals, blaming others for their situation, and a lack of motivation to change, and liftoff is almost sure to be grounded. Okay? As it goes on, it talks about how it's usually young men who struggle with this as opposed to young women, and then it starts saying, hey, okay, why is this happening? If this is the reality, if this is what it is, why is this happening? And, and they talk about how sometimes the economy plays into it, uh, the, the type and number of jobs available plays into it, maybe an unwillingness to take on debt that's associated with higher levels of education. It's quite a bit different than it was 50 years ago. Um, throw in, most people are getting married at an older age, and so there's not quite the same push to get out of the house as there may have been in generations past. But then it says this, it says, all these things, economy, job stuff, all, the, all these things may be keeping young adults at home, but the defining feature of failure to launch is foot dragging, delaying, stalling, or flat-out refusal to participate in life. While some young adults living at home are trying mightily to contribute financially or move out, others have little intention of doing so. And then it, it uh, throws out a couple uh, things that play into it. Pathological perfectionism. All right, they talk about expectations gone awry. Where, hey, if that, you kind of um, grow up thinking if the situation isn't perfect, I can't do it, right? If I, if I face any amount of pushback, I, I need to stop and pull back. If there's any amount of failure, that means I'm heading in the complete wrong direction and I have to stop, withdraw, go back to home base and start over again. So pathological perfectionism talks about an emphasis on safety and security um, where maybe, maybe their parents were a little bit of that helicopter type, right? Made sure nothing bad happened to them. And so now there's no willingness to take on necessary risks that are associated with moving out and getting out into the world. Um, then it brings up video games, I guess, right? I mean, I've had video games for 40 years now, and I'm not sure I put as much stock into that as, as some people would. Some of you probably blame video games for everything. But, but all, all those things kind of come into play with this idea of failure to launch. So the question is, what in the world does this have to do with First Peter? Well, I believe that we could rework this article add a couple Bible verses, and it would perfectly describe the spiritual walk of many believers. I think that within the world of Christianity, within the body of Christ, for many people, there's a hesitancy to move forward, a hesitancy to study, to grow, to invest and be invested in. There's a hesitancy to step out in faith. There's a hesitancy to simply walk in the way of Jesus. I think we see within the body of Christ people who experience a failure to own their journey, to own their faith, and, and take their faith apart from the faith of mom and dad, apart from the faith of grandma, apart from the faith of the awesome youth pastor that I had back in middle school, apart from the faith of the old lady down the street who always tells me that she's praying for me, right? And so, and so we see this failure to launch happen within the body of Christ in the lives of many Christians. And, and based on our passage today that we're going to see in this next section of 1 Peter, it's not a new issue. I think Peter was seeing it. I think Peter was hearing about it in letters and conversations with people who are coming from other communities and other parts of the world as he hears how the gospel is spreading. And, and the first word before we dive in too deep today, 
The first word we're going to see in 1 Peter 1.13 is therefore, right? And you guys have been in church world. You've, you've uh, heard me teach before. When you see the word therefore, you miss something, right? So there's something we've got to go back to. And if you missed last week, I really want to encourage you to go back and find it on our website or on, on Apple Podcasts. Um, and just kind of listen to the intro to our Peter series. Talked about the man a little bit. Talked about his journey a little bit. Talked about the context in which he's writing and who he's writing to. But basically what we got to last week from, from Peter at the start of this book is what an amazing gift we have in salvation. Yes, it's difficult sometimes to walk in faith and experience life in Christ. Maybe more difficult for them than us and some of the nature of first century world, but still a reality now and certainly changing even in our American culture. But those moments, Peter says, those things are making us stronger. They're making our faith more real. They're making our faith more genuine. And he says that salvation, this gift, the, for, the, the salvation of your soul, the forgiveness of your sins, what we experience in that personal relationship with Jesus Christ is so amazing that even the Old Testament prophets wanted to know the who, what, when, where, why of what it means to experience Jesus the way that we do. And then he went a step further and said, even the angels are jealous of what we get to experience in Christ. And so the reminder was, and, and we did the, if you were here, is this long rope that we had stretching across the stage, and it represented eternity, beginning with our birth all the way on into forever. And we have this one small segment of time that we put a lot of emphasis on, and rightly so, right? The things in our life, the gospel should impact life here in these few years that we have on the planet. And yet, eternity is a long time. And so Peter says, whatever happens here on earth, the end result, the big celebration is the saving of our souls that, ex that we experience through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so with that context in mind, we move on today into the second big section of 1 Peter. And this is where we start to experience that tension, because last week we said it's both and, right? It's here and now. It's the gospel infiltrating every aspect of our lives on this planet, and it's eternity. And that's what goes on into forever, right? And there's different both and things in Scripture. And this is where we experience that tension, where it's about eternity, it's about the salvation of our souls, and yet there's more. So 1 Peter 1.13, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And that's a reference back to God talking to the Israelites back in the Torah. So he says, because of what we've talked about, because eternity is at stake, because there's this huge long rope stretching from your life into eternity, because it's that big of a deal, he says, it's time to be alert. And he says, you can look back on, on that first segment of your life before you experience Christ, before you experience the power of the forgiveness of sins and the salvation of your souls, you live that life. There have been times in your life where you flirted with the line. Maybe times in your life where you leapt way across the line. You're saying, fine, right? That, that's not ideal, but you didn't know better, right? Or maybe you did know better, but you got off track. Or you forgot about what, where you were headed. You forgot about you, what you've been called to be. But then Peter says, enough of the immature stuff. Enough of the distractions enough of flirting with sin, flirting with the world's way. And he says the reality of the situation is 
times are serious. Reminding them, you have been chosen, you have been set apart, you've experienced the amazing gift of the salvation of your souls. And Peter's saying, when are you going to get real with this? You've probably, for those of you who follow uh, athletics and sports and things, you've probably seen stories where athletes with all the talent in the world and all the opportunity in the world, and then all of a sudden, they lose millions and they blow it. And you're like, you, all this talent and opportunity and you stuck with the same friends that you grew up with who are dragging you down and brought you into this difficult situation? All of this opportunity and you're caught up in the same crap that everyone else is caught up in? Don't you realize what you have? Don't you realize what you're capable of? Right? We, we sit back from this neutral perspective and we're going, oh my goodness, this gift that has been placed in your lap that so many of us would love to have and you've squandered it and you've wasted it. Reminds me of one of my pet peeves, and, and I apologize today if you're newer to Fieldstone. Hunting comes up a lot. Sports comes up a lot. It's the life I have, and so so many of the different illustrations and ideas come from that. But one of my pet peeves in life comes from the world of hunting, where um, growing up and, and, and experiencing that, one of the best parts of hunting is simply being alone, simply being quiet. And it's a little bit easier now than it was when I was 13, right? And you're just like fidgety and you had some uh, pixie sticks before you go and sit in deer stand, right? And you're trying to figure out how am I going to last for two hours. And yet, the, and it, you, you grow to understand like that's one of the best parts, right? You're alone with your thoughts. You have some time to just kind of sit with your prayers and, and be a part of what's happening around you. Just slow down and experience what I would call healthy boredom, right? If you're sitting here today and you're addicted to a screen, boredom is extremely healthy thing to experience sometimes and that is one of the great things about hunting you just like man i got no place to go i got no place to be i got nobody to talk to and yet smartphones have changed hunting completely now don't get me wrong great tool right when you're up there there's some communicating to do if i sneak out on a uh, on an evening during the work week i can i can text brian like hey Looking at, I can look at our, our service plan and talk to Brian about the different songs. It's an amazing tool. If, if Kathy's hunting on the other side of the woods and say, hey, saw a couple deer sneak in, headed your way, let me know what happens. It, it's a great tool to have. You can check scores on a Sunday afternoon if the NFL games are going on, right? It's a great tool to have. And yet, because of those phones, you now have to be super intentional about joy, enjoying the moment and enjoying the outdoors, all the things associated with hunting. So, all that leads to my pet peeve. So a part of hunting is, as you get to the end of the day, the last hour is key, right? If, if the deer are coming and they haven't come yet, if they're going to come, it's going to be in that last hour. Now, the nature of phones, right? Throughout, let's say you're out there two hours, three hours, four hours. You get some conversations going, oh my goodness, you can believe this flock of turkeys just walked by. I saw a bobcat. Oh my goodness, this porcupine just climbed the tree right next to me and was looking at me. It was the craziest thing. And all that's great. It's fun. It helps you share the experience. You send little pictures back and forth. And yet you get to that last hour. If the deer are coming, they're coming now. And so for me, it's like, Put the phone away because inevitably I'll be waiting. I'll hear a little crunch off in the woods. Okay, if they're coming, it's going to be now. I'm ready. Buzz, buzz. Oh, maybe somebody got something. You wouldn't believe a chickadee just landed on the arrow. I can't believe it. These, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is it. This is the time. 
This is why we're out here. We've been out here for a while. Maybe something would come early. You're out there to just blend in with nature so that when deer come, you're there and you're ready. It's the last hour. Put your phone away. This is the time. This is your chance. You want to be a hunter? Awesome. Get serious. It's time to be alert. It's time to sober up. This is why we're here. You guys, some of us know the truth. You guys, some of us believe the basics, and some of us have trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. Our rope is set, right? Our eternity is secure in Christ, and we know that, and we believe that. And some of us know that beyond just forgiveness of sins for eternity, some of us know that his way is the best way for this life as much as for the life to come, and yet we're coasting, and we're spiritually lazy, What we have in our hands is something that our Old Testament heroes longed to experience. What we have in our hands is we get to experience something that even the angels are jealous of. Your soul has been rescued. And Peter says, be alert, be sober, Peter says. And so I have to say to some of you, get serious. It's time. You have been placed here for a season for just a short mist of a life and it impacts the eternity that we experience off into the distance beyond just believing in Jesus it's time to take it more seriously in the next few verses Peter brings us back and just kind of reminds us what this is all about maybe more who this is all about um As we get to verse 17, he says, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, You believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. So he says it's all based on Jesus and what he's done. It's not based on money or possessions or human strength. Those things didn't secure salvation. It was Jesus alone. And it's really, in in Peter's way, it's really brilliant in the way that he writes this because he knows his audience. He knows it's a very diverse crowd. Some of them are extremely rich. Some of them are very poor. Some of them have a lot. Some of them have very little. Some of them are strong and capable, and some of them are weak and struggling through everything. Some of them are established and have roots in the country and community that they're living in. Some of them have just moved there. They've scattered for a better life. They've scattered because of persecution, and now they're new, and they're nervous, and they're experiencing the tension of language issues and cultural differences and all these, and then people are pushing back on this new faith that they've brought with them. And so Peter's saying, either way... If you are capable and strong and rich and healthy, it wasn't because of anything that you did that you've experienced salvation. And if you aren't capable and you're not strong and you're not rich and you're not healthy, it's okay. There's no pressure. There's no need to measure up because it's not based on anything that you can do to earn it. And so it's freeing and yet creates a sense of urgency because it reveals how huge the gift is, how huge the sacrifice is. It's not about us. And yet it's something that we need to take seriously. We'll continue into verse 22. Peter says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, 
love one another deeply from the heart. Now he's starting to touch a little bit on how all of this should impact our interactions with people, especially here within the body of Christ. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Skip to chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. So he says, just have a sincere love for each other, deeply from the heart. Not a love based on perishable earthly standards. Not, I love you in Christ as long as you do this and don't do that. Not, I love you in Christ as long as you say this and don't say that. Not, I I love you as long as you go here and don't go there. Not, I love you as long as your views on education and politics and current events line up with my views on education and politics and current events. No, a love not based on those perishable things, but on imperishable things. The word of the Lord is forever, he says, and that's what your faith is built on, and that's what your love should be built on. Then he gets back to it in these last couple verses that we're going to hit today. Luke 2, 2. He says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. He's saying, if this is all true, it is. He's saying, if it's all based on Jesus, it is. And he's saying, if you're all in on this, and I hope that you are, then it's time to grow up in your salvation. Last week we talked about the gift of salvation, the power of salvation, the saving of your souls that we get to experience that transforms eternity and should have its its tentacles wrapped around every aspect of our life. Not only should you experience that and believe that and embrace that, but now it's time to grow in that. And this is where we see a little bit of the difference between Peter and Paul, right? As Paul is writing, we see it in 1 Corinthians 3, we see it in Hebrews 5, which we're going to look at right now, a little bit of a different spin on it, but they're coming from the same place. So in Hebrews 5, 5, uh, we're going to start in 12, sneak into chapter 6, Paul says, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Paul's almost kind of using it as a little bit of a dig and a challenge. And he says, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And Paul says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. So Paul is saying it's got to be more than milk, right? It's time, for some of you, it's time for something deeper, deeper stuff. And Peter is going, here's the thing, absolutely, but it's simple, right? Don't lose the simplicity of salvation. And this probably illustrates a little bit the difference between a scholar like Paul and a blue-collar fisherman like Peter. Peter's like, I'm not ready to go there, Paul, right? I just got done leaving the boat, right? And so maybe talking to two different types of people, different types of audience, but both very right. And it's got to be that, remember, in in the Bible, there's a lot of both and. And this is where it's a combination of the two, where it's grow and mature. And Paul is saying, as you do that, continue to dive deeper and deeper into God, his character, his truths, what he reveals in his word. And Peter's going, absolutely grow based on the simple truths of Jesus 
the simplicity of the cross and salvation and, and the saving of your soul, what it can do for this life and the next life. And what I think that we see is similar to what it talks about in, in Psalm 34, verse 8. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then they say, and now that you've tasted it, it's time to have a desire for more. Right? It's like that new restaurant you visited or that new dessert that somebody had you try. Right? For me, triple chocolate meltdown at Applebee's. I don't like anything at Applebee's, but sometimes I'll go there. I won't even tell anyone I'm going. I'll just be passing through like, triple chocolate meltdown. It's like 1,500 calories sitting on a plate. There's this fudgy brownie thing with the chocolate lava coming out. It's so good. And I'll go out of my way to get it sometimes. Right? It's, it, and then you're like, how do I get more? I need that recipe, right? I'm going to take a different way home from work so I can pass by that spot and stop and get it. Mom, will you make that dinner for me for my birthday? If we have a special night out, we need to go there. You're craving it, right? You've had a little taste, and now you need more. It's similar to what Paul says in Romans 12:1, where he's saying, in view of God's mercy, he's been talking about all these same salvation things, in view of all that, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, because this is your true and proper worship. We talked about that passage a couple months ago and how what it's really saying is, if all of this is true, if you've experienced salvation, if you've experienced Christ, then it's not just a true and proper thing, it's the rational thing. Based on that truth, the right thing, the obvious thing, the simple thing, the logical thing is to believe it, embrace it, and then live it. It's the peanut butter cup perfection from Cold Stone. That's my combo. And now you're going out of your way to hit the Washtenaw exit on the way home so that you can get Cold Stone. And you know that your wife likes chilies. And she's like, hey, you want to go to chilies tonight? It's for you. I know you like chilies. In the back of your mind, you're thinking Cold Stone is across the driveway. And so after we have chilies, I can dump peanut butter cup perfection on top of my quesadilla, pay for it later, and yet in the moment, it's all I want, right? If it's true, if you've had that taste, you've experienced salvation, the only reasonable response is to crave more and respond with obedience and growth, to respond with surrender and maturity. It's time to grow up in your salvation. A couple things um, trending towards the practical side to maybe kind of help us experience that. First thing I'd say is this is uh, something that didn't start with me, it came across it in my reading. One of the authors said, Theology prompts ethics. Theology prompts ethics. Ethics. We'll break that down. Theology is the study of God in the general sense. It also can mean your personal understanding of God. Study of God, your understanding of God. And ethics, simply the principles that guide a person's behavior. And so basically, your decision-making, your priorities, your goals, your values, the way that you're going to live your life, your journey towards growth and maturity, your, your ability to take the things of God seriously or not, all of that should be based on a growing understanding of God. The more serious you become about God, the more you'll grow in faith, the more you'll experience maturity. And so the question becomes, what does your current study of God look like? If it's happening, if it's stretching you, keep going. All right, you're on the right track. Keep adding some resources, keep adding different conversations, keep adding some depth 
to what you're experiencing. If, if that's what you're experiencing, keep going. If not, let's get started, right? We already talked about small groups. We've got adult small groups. Some of them are happening. Some of them are launching this semester. Great opportunity, right? It's not a lifetime contract. I'm not making you be best friends with these people. It's a chance to get yourself in an environment where people are talking about the things of God and sharing what God's doing in their life and asking about what he's doing in your life so that you walk into church on a Sunday morning. It's not just you and your, your husband and your kids. There's people who see you and miss you when you're gone and wonder how you're doing, right? Uh, uh, Miss Connie walked in this morning. She's been gone for a while, and she walked in, and all these people are like, Connie! right? You've been gone. We missed you. You can walk 10 steps without fainting, right? This is an amazing thing. She's been on a journey, right? I'm not making fun of it. All these different health things. And, and so that's a beautiful thing. And some of that starts with getting into a group. Throw your name down, right? We'll give you a call and say, hey, let's find the best spot for you. It's all going to work out great. Beyond that, we've got a thing called Right Now Media. You can see the graphic up on the screen. Um, this is a tool that we have as a church. We have a church-wide subscription that we can give to whoever we want as a free uh, thing to enjoy. Thousands and thousands and thousands of Christian video content available to you like Netflix, right? Stuff for adults, stuff for kids, stuff for married couples, stuff for engaged, uh, for small groups, all the different contexts that you might enjoy it. There's things there, and it's fantastic. Just make sure we have your email. I can send you a link. You set up your own login, and then you're off and running. It's a great great tool as a supplement to your personal reading in scripture uh, fantastic thing another thing that can go along with with your bible reading uh, a site called bibleproject.com um, fantastic website bibleproject.com a lot of um, article type content a lot of video content just takes it, it can take a difficult book i just started reading isaiah in my personal time and i start that with a, a video from bible project just kind of giving a nice graphical overview of what Isaiah is about, where it's going, how it's broken up, who it's talking, all these different things, fantastic content. Um, and sometimes there's nights where I'm like, I just don't feel like reading. Let me pull up one of these awesome videos from BibleProject.com. Just feed myself something biblical before bed, right? Just a great, great resource that can get you thinking about the things of God and processing the things of God. I would add to that gotquestions.org gotquestions.org if you're reading you're like what does this mean or you hear somebody talking about something or you get asked a question by a friend or a coworker or a family member i'm not sure the answer to that question great website punch in the question bring up all kinds of articles um, fantastic fantastic website for just kind of helping understand some of those difficult topics from scripture and then i don't have a graphic or anything for the screen um, but an organization that we are partners with called SeekWell, if you go to SeekWell.org, their specialty is just helping people, like that hunting thing, slow down, get back to experiencing a different pace of life that Jesus calls us to, right? Experiencing that two-way conversation with God where we share our thoughts with him and he has an opportunity to speak into our lives. Um, great uh, organization to, to check out. They've got different retreat things and resources on their website as well. I would encourage you to, to check that out. And here's the thing, guys. A as you jump into this, the more you do it, there are going to be things that you don't understand. That's true if you just met Jesus and you're reading the Bible for the first time. That's true for lifelong Christians who are reading it and going a little bit deeper and asking a little bit tougher questions. There's going to be things that you don't understand, but that's okay. What you're doing is you're giving yourself a taste, a first taste 
of the triple chocolate meltdown, that first taste of the peanut butter cup perfection from Cold Stone, right? And then, okay, I think I like this. I think this is going to help me. I think this is good. I think I want more of this. And it's then, it's going to, your hope, your morality, your choices, your love and interactions with people are going to be more and more based on God and not the perishable things that humans come up with. It's going to be his holiness, his gift of salvation, his word, his kingdom. Theology prompts ethics. Last thing I would say is this. You've said yes to God's forgiveness. Now say yes to God's way. There's a really cool interaction between Jesus and Peter in Luke chapter 5, and we actually read it last week, but I want to go back and highlight one part of the conversation because they've been fishing all night, catching nothing, right? They're frustrated, they're annoyed. They come in, Jesus steals their boat for a few minutes so we can give a little sermon. Then Jesus says, you know what? Let's go a little bit deeper, right? Coincidence based on what we're talking about? Probably, but I like the parallels. And he says, throw out your nets one more time. And Peter's a professional, right? So he's like, I know this lake. I've been doing this my whole life. There's no fish. Listen to the interaction. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. That's a little subtle. This isn't going to work. Listen to what he says. He says, but because you say so, I will. I will let down the nets. Talking to brothers and sisters here, those of you who have stepped across the line of faith and given your hearts to Jesus, you know the truth. You are saved. Eternity is secure. Your rope has a happy ending. But maybe... Maybe some of you have experienced a failure to launch. And for many people, the thing holding them back isn't a knowledge of the truth, but a surrender and obedience to the truth. And a big part of maturity is simply choosing God's way, even if it's hard, even if there's conflicts, even if it's the opposite of what you want to do, the opposite of what people want you to do, even if it disappoints some of the people in your life, being willing to say, it's hard, it's confusing, it's scary, but because you say so, I will. God, my family's going to wonder what's going on with me lately. But because you say so, I will. God, I'm not sure I'm ready to go there, but because you say so, I will. God, I'm not sure I'm ready for that conversation, but because you say so, I will. I'm not sure I'm ready to cut that out of my life. I'm not sure I'm ready to add this to my life, but because you say so, I will. God, your view of things seems to be causing some tension in my life and the people around me and the culture that I'm living in, and yet because you say so, I will. I don't, wanna, I don't think I want to make the time for that, God. I don't think I like where that's going to take me, God. I don't think I like the changes that's going to bring about in my life. I'm not sure how to anticipate what's next. I can only see the next couple steps and everything else is blurry. But because you say so, I will. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this time together and, and thanks for a guy like Peter who, who just kind of lays it out and, and, and sees things from the perspective of, of most of us, just kind of the everyday man and woman who are trying to battle through life and and deal with the different tensions of every day and the conflicts around us. And, and so, God, just help us to remember, number one, in you our eternity is set. 
the end of the story is a good one. And yet, there are impacts on today. And, and God, whatever different things get thrown at us, whatever different things we have to face, help us to have the courage to choose your way. To dive deeper into your way. Dive deeper into your word and your truth and who you are at your core. And may those things transform the way we live and act and decide and go and stay. May we have that heart of Peter there on the lake shore to say, God, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't know. I'm scared. But because you say so, because you've revealed it in your word, because you've put it on my heart, because I know it's your will, I will. I'll say yes. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.